0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey Jonathan, how's it going?
0: State Convention season is almost over, Amy.
1: It, it is. I looked at the script that you pulled together, and we have a long list to cover this week, but that means we're almost to the end. Yes. We kind of get we get a bunch right there at yeah. the end.
0: Well, there's more coming next week because I've seen three or four stories come through on Baptist Press this morning that yeah. aren't posted yet, so they'll be up and ready for next week because uh, typically what happens is you have these meetings in the first of the week. Stories get written, they get to Baptist Press, and they get posted like at the end of the week, and we kind of miss them. Because we're recording about the same day that they're all posted. So we miss them because we record before they get posted. Right. So, so
1: we have a week's worth. Yeah.
0: So we have basically a week's worth and then we get the next week. And then so we'll be doing this until probably the first week in December. We're not, we're not close to being done, Amy. <laughs> they're close to being all over, right. but we're not close to being over with them.
1: All right. We got a lot to talk yeah. about then.
0: Yes, we do. We do. But speaking of state conventions, Amy, it was good to see you this week at the North Carolina state convention. I was able to go to that yeah. one and see you and a lot of other friends. And that's a fun convention. That that really is a fun convention.
1: Yeah, it is. We, we, we have a good time.
0: Yeah. Leadership goes a long way. Todd Unzicker really enjoying everything that he had going on and just a, a really good time to see a lot of friends. North Carolina, a lot of Southern Baptists in North Carolina. And uh, you guys had a, a great turnout, like 1,800 or something like that. And so we have a story on that. We'll get to the particulars and the details of the North Carolina convention Recap here shortly, but Amy, we start with some lifeway research. Talked a little bit about some lifeway research last week about politics, this yep. week on the pandemic, and the fact that churches 100% of churches are back open as of August 2022.
1: Yeah, still congregations are recovering churchgoers, yeah.
0: and um, not all the churchgoers not, have returned, but the churches back, have, yeah,
1: not back to the attendance levels. Yeah, so almost every church, 100%. Of U.S. Protestant pastors in August 2022 uh, say their churches met in person. Um, So that continues the increases. In August 2021, it was at 98%. So now it's basically um, all the way back. All the churches have reopened, Um, but churchgoers have not reappeared quite as fast. Um, So they're reporting about 85% of typical Sunday morning crowds uh, from January 2020. So that's like prior to the COVID-19 outbreak.
0: I I feel like that's kind of accurate, just anecdotally. Like I've heard very similar things from pastors is that, you know, we're back, but we're missing 10 to 15%. That's, that's basically what I hear when I talk to pastors about their church recovering from the pandemic. That's, that's the number we hear 10 to 15% still we're missing, but you know, we're, we're roaring and we're going.
1: Now, one, one thing I think is interesting is, I mean, I would say something that we've seen at the summit is we've seen a a good bit of new faces in the last year and a half, like people who had never come to our church before. So I wonder what that's like across the board. If you can't haven't quite recovered the attendance numbers, but some of that also includes new faces. So what, what does that look like for churches as far as the number of people who were there in January 2020 that aren't back? Are they somewhere else? Are they still staying at home? You know, what's what's going on?
0: Yeah. Well, I think part of it has to do with were the churches outwardly focused, you know, and focused on outreach and evangelism and everything before the pandemic? Because if they weren't, then once the pandemic's over, they're more likely to have been rather insular and in trying to, you know, reestablish the people that were already in the church instead of reaching new people. And then you got a church like Summit, which is obviously outwardly focused and mission driven that is reaching those new people because, you know, the the opportunities are there. And while some other churches may be trying to recollect their flock, so to speak, Summit is expanding its because of their outward focus. Yeah. Just a theory. Maybe so. Gonna hypothesize here. We'll see. But yeah, it's fascinating research over there, lively research. we, we mentioned that the the hundred percent churches back in person that had dropped down to ten percent in April twenty twenty Amy. It's just crazy what happened uh, March the what was it thirteenth fifteenth something like that of twenty twenty, and yeah. uh, when the the basically the world shut down and that's we, right we kind of dug out of it and uh, there were some blips along the way you could see that in the bar graph there but uh, at the same time we're 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 back so to speak yep at least All right. the churches are not the people so. Right. Anyway, fascinating research. Go check it out over at Baptist Press. Uh, the links in the show notes for that. But it's also uh, the first of the month, Amy. It was last week, at least, and you know what that means. CP. Well, I uh, got a I got some bad news, Amy. Uh, we okay. finished last year ten million dollars over budget. Well, I started off a little slow this year, but it's kind of normal. We we started out five of the last seven years below budget for October, so this is kind of par for the course. Fifteen point one million dollars given through the cooperative program budget, it's about $800,000, 850000 less than a mon- monthly budget amount. Uh, so a little short on the budget, but no reason to believe that things won't catch up later on because that's just, if you look at and the numbers, that's how it goes. Exactly.
1: Yep. Okay. So, well, we'll keep so watching. Nothing
0: to nothing to freak out over right now. Just, uh, just FYI, we cover that each and every month here on the podcast. And uh, each and every year on the podcast, we dedicate chunks of the show to state annual meetings. Amy? We start this week in Michigan.
1: All right. So we're going to go to Hudsonville, Michigan, where... They met at Chapel Point, um, a church there. That's a suburb of Grand Rapids. They had around 150 present. That was 41 guests and 104 messengers from 50 of their churches. They voted to increase their cooperative program giving by 2.5 percentage points. Uh, that takes it to 35%. And their desire is to get it to 50% by 2025 to a 50-50 split. Um, so they approved a $2 million. $380,203 budget. Um, that's up by about, about $100,000 from last year. And uh, so seems like they had a great time meeting together and uh, just celebrating what is going on. New churches launching. So that They had 12 new churches that launched this year and one new church that affiliated, so that meant 13 new congregations in Michigan.
0: All right. Well, that's that's great, Amy. What about the officers?
1: Yeah, so Ed Emmerling um, from West Side Church in Flushing um, was elected president. And then first vice president is Ray Ruffin from Newfound Hope Community Church in Redford. Second Vice President, Josh Tovey. He's from Redemption Church in Grandville. Recording Secretary Jerome Taylor, uh who's from Eastgate Church in Burton and then assistant recording secretary Michelle White she's a member at Middlebelt Church in Inkster so congratulations to those folks all right. all right take us to west virginia where you were
0: i was i uh, country roads took me home amy
1: there you it go it was almost 7
0: in, in West Virginia. There 246 total attendees. That's 50 guests and 196 messengers. And trust me, this was a large crowd because uh, it was packed out in there at the Emanuel Baptist Church in Princeton. It's the highest messenger registration they've had in 16 years. And it showed. And I told them, uh, I spoke a little bit just for a minute, not, not a major thing, but spoke for a few minutes and told them, hey, man, you're going to have to find a bigger room for next year because it was packed out in there, so uh, really exciting to see that. Eric Ramsey's done a good job over in West Virginia. So 246 attendees, and they passed a budget for next year totaling just a little bit over $1.45 million. Uh, it's going to be 42% to the National and International Cooperative Program Ministries. It's a, a slight dip from last year on their budget total, but they are increasing their allocation from 415 half to 42 They elected officers Aaron Slager. He was uh, reelected. He's the pastor at Living River Chapel in Sutton, West Virginia. He's the president of the convention. First Vice President Jason Spade pastor at First Baptist Princeton in Princeton, second vice president Ryan Navy, pastor at River Valley Church in Huntington, and recording secretary Andrew Gordon, who's the associate pastor of Winfield Baptist Church in Winfield. The big piece of business at the West Virginia Baptist Convention was the passing of a policy and procedure regarding sexual misconduct and sexual abuse for the state convention uh, it's, so it's a like a 16 page document I got a copy of it here at the office uh, got a copy when I was there and uh, it, very comprehensive and it's it's designed to be able to be used for the state convention so whenever they're hiring anybody but to be able to take that and for churches to use it as a template in their own churches for whenever they're hiring so very very good resource you can find out more over at the West Virginia. Uh, Baptist Convention website on that. And then also they launched a new three-year vision called In and Through. So uh, God's working in and through West Virginia, strengthening and sending churches to make Jesus known in and through West Virginia. So uh, some of the best art you will find anywhere and best branding because Cleve Persinger, good friend of the pod, is awesome at that and does a fantastic job as a comms guy over at West Virginia.
1: Oh yeah, I love the Persingers, Cleve and Katie. They're amazing. Um, Actually, just saw and talked to Katie recently. So uh, they're awesome. And they actually came from North Carolina, which is where we're headed next. Uh, So North Carolina Baptist met in Greensboro. As always. That's right. Or as always, same spot, same place. Um, Earlier this week, and uh, the theme was On Mission Together, big historic moment where uh, we elected our first African-American president of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, um, which we are 192 years old. So it was, or I guess, uh, yeah, it was the 192nd annual meeting. I don't know exactly what the you know actual constituted you know day or whatever, but it was our 192nd annual meeting and first African-American president, Quintel Hill. So uh, that was a a really big moment. Um, Since I'm talking officers, I'll go ahead and finish that out. Jason Miller from Dutch Cove Baptist Church in Canton was elected first vice president. And then um, Alan Murray, good friend of the pod, uh, pastor of Centerville Baptist Church in Kelly, was elected second vice president. Quintel Hill um, is from Multiply Church, Multiply Community Church in Monroe. So, But we had 1,355 messengers there, um, including me and a full slate from uh, the Summit Church. So it's great to all be there and participate in that. We adopted a $29.5 million cooperative program budget uh, for 2023. And then we um, had a, uh, that was a 5.4% Increase um, about a one and a half million dollars. Uh, we also have increased from forty five to forty eight percent of our allocation that goes on to national and international causes. So very big deal. And also, I, I just want to give a little tip. Something I learned at the state convention this year. Um, that as you mentioned, we have it in the same location every year. We have it at the uh, Cory C- Convention Center, Cory Convention Center there in Greensboro. Uh, Anyone who came to the 2006 SBC annual meeting will remember that. It was kind of a meeting area that was attached to the convention hotel. So we met uh, in the main meeting at the arena, but there was a a place where a lot of auxiliary meetings were. And that's that's where North Carolina Baptists meet every year. So same room, same place, same hotel, everything. So for those of you who are North Carolina Baptists and come, If you're sitting, if you go to the front, and then there's kind of a wing that juts out toward the front, you know, over to the right. If you uh, need to get up at any time during the meeting and, you know, go to the restroom, anything like that, and you think that those doors (laughs) to the right might take you to a hallway, they will, in fact, take you to a kitchen where guests are not supposed to be.
0: Did You sound like you speak from experience here.
1: But... If you happen to go through one of those doors, if you just walk with confidence, nobody asks you what you're doing and you just go look for the nearest door. Um, it is a bit of a maze back there, but I made it and <laughs> literally opened a door and it just dropped me into the exhibit hall in this weird spot. I had I lost all sense of direction. had no idea where I was. All I knew was all my folks from the summit were like sitting right there. I had gotten up. I said, I got to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. I walked through the door and I was like, either I just keep on going or I have to turn around and go back through this door and look at all the people that are sitting right there. So I just, I just, I walked like I owned the place. Um, But that is a tip for everyone that if you need to walk out and you're in that front part, do not go through those doors to the right. They are not an exit. But if you. you need
0: to take a call, that little area between those doors in the kitchen, is a perfect area.
1: Yes, it, it, it is. Cause I
0: did that. So it is. I know yep. exactly what you're talking about. Cause I went and took a call there the other night for my brother. So hilarious. Yep. So oh, anyway, golly. great yeah.
1: time, great time in Greensboro.
0: Yep. I, I could totally see you doing that. So that's hilarious. All right. To Hawaii. We go to the islands, Amy. Their 80th annual meeting. It's the first time they met in person since 2019. They've been meeting virtually wow. the last couple of years. Remember that? And, uh, 35 guests, 185 messengers from 52 of their 150 churches, including representation from each of the six major islands in Hawaii, plus some affiliated churches from American Samoa, Guam, Japan, Korea, Thailand, and the Philippines. They, they probably get the, the award for furthest distance traveled to go to my state convention.
1: I imagine they do.
0: Yes. Anyway, they approved a budget of just over $1 million, uh, which is a little bit down from the 1.2 last year. And they plan to send 20% on to the National Cooperative Program allocation budget. They also elected officers. President John Interest, who's the pastor of Engaged Church in Hilo. First Vice President Sterling Lee, pastor of First Baptist Church of Pearl City. Second Vice President Brian Frable, who's a pastor at Kona Baptist Church in Kona. Grace Poey, a member of University Avenue Baptist in Honolulu, was reelected as the recording secretary and... And finally, they gave some updates on some agreements and some partnerships that they have with other state Baptist mission boards. The Tennessee Baptist Mission Board is going to start a reciprocal partnership with them in January, and they have six church plants on the islands out there uh, that are ongoing, and they're looking to increase their work among the deaf. So that'll do it for Hawaii. Over to Minnesota, Wisconsin, aim.
1: Yeah, so they met in Wauwatosa?
0: Sure. Okay.
1: Okay. Just a few weeks ago in October, it was their 39th annual meeting. They had 175 um, there, which was a, a, a lot higher than, um, than they ha- have had. They had 90 guests and 85 messengers from 58 of their churches. Uh, they had a big um, uh, commemorating Leo Endel uh, has been executive director for 20 years. So they made a a big deal honoring him, gave him a plaque that uh, is in the shape of the two states. It was very special. Uh, Daniel Goba uh, did that. He honored, uh, presented that plaque. He was serving as second vice president during the meeting and then was elected first vice president for the coming year. Um, I'm sorry that Endel Lee was not there Ah. to make the presentation, but.
0: I don't know if anybody finds that as funny as we do.
1: So. I know, but I sure find it.
0: Indel funny. Lee and Leo Indel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so they adopted a 2023 budget of 1,001,376. That's up about 3%. They will forward to the SBC 36% of their receipts. That's the same percentage as in uh, the, the current budget. So they also reelected Bob Stein, Uh, pastor of Midvale Baptist Church in Madison, Wisconsin. That's S-T-I-N-E. So any of my fellow Southern Seminary uh folks that's not bob stein that taught us all hermeneutics it's oh. a different bob stein yes uh then as i mentioned daniel goba he's from ebenezer baptist church in bloomington he was elected first vice president and um chris phillips he's a uh, children and youth uh, associate pastor at trinity baptist church in reedsburg wisconsin he was elected second vice president um wes shemwell he's a member of midvale baptist church in madison he was re-elected recording secretary, Tim Amer. Uh, he's a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Rochester, Minnesota. He was elected assistant recording secretary. So um, lots um, lots of, of new and some uh, re-elections as well. So it seems like they had a great meeting.
0: To Missouri we go. Our good friend John Nelson passed off the gavel this week. Game. John was the uh, the president the last couple of years. He's the pastor at Soma Community Church and a good friend of the pod, and he was serving as the president while 1,035 messengers and 226 guests gathered in the St. Louis area for this year's Missouri Baptist Convention. So we mentioned John Nelson, the, the outgoing president, the incoming president, Chris Williams, pastor of Fellowship Church in Greenwood, Missouri. Wesley Vance, who's the executive pastor of Crossway Baptist in Springfield, was elected first vice president. Richard Young, senior pastor of South Haven Baptist in Belton, uh, is the second vice president. And Justin Perry, pastor at First Baptist Church in Viburnum, is the recording secretary. Uh, they approved a cooperative program budget allocation of around $15 million. It's unchanged from last year. And 38% will be passed on to national and international cooperative program ministries. The convention also disfellowshipped two churches, Christ Deliverance Ministry in St. Louis and Meadow Heights Church in Frederickstown. They deemed the churches, quote, theologically incompatible, end quote, with the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And then finally, they passed a few resolutions, including one honoring the late Don Hinkle, who died just a few weeks ago. So uh, that is the Missouri meeting. Just south of there, Amy, was Arkansas.
1: Yes, yeah, and, and so, still is
0: Arkansas. I say was, but
1: yes, it's, it's Arkansas still there. is still yes.
0: south of Missouri. It yes. has not they,
1: moved. They met uh, a, a few weeks ago in Hot Springs. They. I wonder uh, if anybody
0: stayed in the uh, the Hobbit caves. I don't know. Weren't those in Hot Springs?
1: I believe they you, are. Yeah. You do your
0: thing, and I'm going to look that up.
1: Okay, that sounds great. So they met, uh, focusing on the heart of a servant. And they, uh, they came together, they adopted a $21 million budget that was unchanged from last year, 45.62% is forwarded on uh, to uh, national and international Southern Baptist causes. That is also unchanged from last year. Their sexual abuse task force released their report along with uh, recommendations and focused on uh, ways to protect minors and adults to aid churches and call for their entities to be above reproach. That report was unanimously approved. Um, all their officers were reelected to second terms. Larry White, pastor of Woodland Heights Baptist Church in Conway uh, as president, First Vice President David Mitchell from Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Cabot, and Second Vice President Johnny Harp from Lakeview Baptist Church in Cave Springs. And uh, do you have a, a, an answer for us?
0: I got my springs mixed up.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: The, the the Hobbit Caves are in Eureka Springs, not Hot Springs. Oh,
1: okay. Well, then they didn't. So, nope.
0: Well, that would have been a heck of a commute, but yeah.
1: Yeah, there so, you go.
0: Sorry. So. I got I got all excited for a minute there and That's I was right, wrong. yeah. Well, So
1: either way, I've never been to Eureka Springs. I have been to Hot Springs, but it's been a long time. So. Oh,
0: you need to go to Eureka Springs and go to the Passion Play.
1: Okay. I don't, I'll, I'll, I don't
0: know if it's still running or not. Somebody can All right, look that up. I'm I'll try to do
1: that. Do All right,
0: on to New Mexico. Take us to New Mexico. Yeah, 186 messengers, 79 visitors at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Farmington, New Mexico gathered, and they passed a budget of just over $4.2 million, a 2.4% increase over last year's budget, and also allocates 29% to national and international ministries through the cooperative program. The officers they elected this year, Lamar Morin. Of Town Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He's elected as the president. First Vice President Stephen Baum, pres- uh, pastor at First Baptist Church of West Albuquerque. Second Vice President Al Carroll, pastor of First Baptist Church in Bernalillo. And that's about it from New Mexico. Amy, a couple of notes here before we get to our final couple of stories. The Executive Committee President Search Team uh, announced this week they've got their list down to seven candidates that uh, they're interviewing via Zoom. Also, Blue Mountain College has changed its name to Blue Mountain Christian University. So Blue Mountain College up in uh, northeast Mississippi, uh, changing their name to Blue Mountain Christian University. And then uh, our good friend down on the fourth floor, Amy Taffy Hall, was honored for uh, decades of success at the Southern Baptist Library and Archives.
1: Very exciting. Yeah, the John Tweet Archival Achievement Award from the Society of Tennessee Archivists. That's a great honor. Yeah. There are bibles from the 1600s, sermons all the way dating back to 1846, periodicals spanning two centuries and collections from uh leaders all across the board. So, it's a great uh great collection. I love hanging out in the library. Yeah. 10,000 square feet.
0: 10,000 square feet of Southern Baptist fun.
1: You know what? You know what you should do, Jonathan? They
0: should they should market it like that.
1: No, I I think I'm going to go ahead and commit now. I'm not even going to ask in the show notes, folks who are listening, if Uh you want to know more about the library, uh, there's a great, a great great video that we made and Uh uh, a Facebook live of visiting the historical library and archives. Uh And you just need to pay attention, pay attention to the part when we start taking, taking a walk down some stairs, everybody just watch that. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yep. Put it in see, the show notes, John. Coco
0: was upset about you bringing that up, and I agree with him.
1: Oh, he's fine. He wants everyone to watch that. Yeah. So Uh-huh.
0: You just um, want to see people watch me fall. That's all it is.
1: Well, they don't so. watch you fall, they watch the, the uh, camera uh, go, <laughs> they, they Watch the camera as you fell down the stairs. And then I said, Oh goodness, or whatever. So it was kind of amazing.
0: Twisted my ankle. I missed a I missed a stare.
1: I'm so, so. sorry. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, note to self, don't try to video on your phone, watching your phone while you're going down some, like, round stairs, like the, you know, spiral stairs here at the right. building. It doesn't end well. All right, last piece of news, and hopefully sooner or later we'll stop having to have these conversations on the podcast. But Daniel Lanning, uh, who is a former staff member at the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services in Illinois, was sentenced to 22 years in prison after pleading guilty to two counts of criminal sexual assault of a minor was aged 13 to 17. He was arrested on four counts involving a teenager and his care at the Carmi, Illinois facility. Uh, two charges were dropped, but uh, they uh, got the two 11 year sentences for the class one felony count. So 22 years. Uh, he was a house parent at the uh, Baptist Children's Homes Cottage uh, from July 21 until the time of his arrest uh, last year. So. Uh,
1: and uh, like you said. We want to see these stories less and less because we are doing more and more to protect and to screen and to um, be vigilant uh, for the care of our children. Um, But certainly we we don't want to see them less and less because people are not reporting. Reporting is what matters. And so when it comes to the surface, we at at the very least know that justice is being done.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring me to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds.
1: All right, I want to talk a little bit about the separation of church and state. Jonathan. Oh
0: oh wow, we're we're going heavy today, all right?
1: Yeah. so, uh, you know, this is a constant conversation among Southern Baptists, among those in churches and ministries. and And sometimes we are always we're thinking through what does it actually mean, and how does that play out practically? When I teach uh, American government at the College of Southeastern, we talk about this. Um, Well, I want to tell you about a a place in 1950. It was a Baptist school and exactly how they interpreted the separation of church and state. Uh, This is in Mountain Valley, Kentucky. It was the McGoffin Institute, which was a boarding school um, in Mountain Valley. They went on record supporting the absolute separation of church and state. And here's what it meant. They apparently received a shipment of cherries from the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. I don't know why. I'm not sure how it ended up coming to them, but they said we are not willing to receive these cherries. And they they wrote them a letter and said, we have received notice that a shipment of cherries from your office is here. However, we cannot accept them because of a firm belief that Baptists have in Uh, that churches have a distinct field of operation in which the state must not operate. And uh, um, the D.M. Aldridge, president of the institution, said that it was his conviction that if churches receive government aid of any kind, um, there might be a tendency for an eventual union of these two bodies. He said, we are not condemning those institutions, which may accept help from the government. But to us, our duty is clear. And they turned those cherries over to the local board of education for disposal. So I'm guessing that the Department of Agriculture was giving uh, some produce out to various schools. And the McGoffin Institute said, no way. We are Baptists and we will not take anything from the government, not even a shipment of cherries. And so um, people can have all kinds of thoughts about what separation of church and state means, but it was pretty serious. They drew that line. No cherries for them this week in SBC history.
0: So the line was drawn at the cherries.
1: It was indeed.
0: Okay. Were they maraschino cherries or were they just like regular cherries? Because what what bothers me about the cherry, right? This is Jonathan's take on cherries, is they taste completely different. Like a maraschino cherry is not the same flavor as like a a, I guess raw, whatever you want to call it, like just off the vine cherry, they taste yeah. completely different. Obviously, well, the maraschinos are candied and everything like that. Right. But I like think the, that's the, the difference. The cherry flavor, like you get something that's cherry flavored, and right. then you have a cherry. They it's don't taste the alike.
1: It's not the same. Yes. So I don't know. I'm going to guess since it came from the Department of Agriculture, it probably was not maraschino cherries in a jar. Yeah, that's
0: fair. That's fair. So yeah. So
1: well, anyway, I, they they took it yeah. seriously.
0: I have, a, I, love, I have a lot of hot takes on artificial flavored things because grape, cherry, strawberry, none of those taste, watermelon especially, they don't taste like the real thing.
1: No, you're right.
0: The only ones that really do are the citrusy ones and peach. So yeah. anyway. Okay. All right. Well, that brings us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a new book from, well, not new. It's been out for a couple of months now, I guess. But Jeremy Freeman's But God. Uh, that yeah. is the name of the book, But God by Jeremy Freeman. And uh, forward by David Platt. Jeremy and his uh, wife Emily, uh, their teenage son was in a devastating car accident. Uh, his uh, son Caleb, and Caleb has uh, come come on and and recovered from that. And this is his story of recovery and the trials that they've gone through with that. And it includes a seven day devotional in the back as well. So uh, a great great testimony to perseverance, Excellent. endurance, and God's grace in the lives of the Freemans. Highly yep. recommend this, Jeremy is a pastor up in Oklahoma. His son, Caleb, does a lot of motivational speaking for teenagers, stuff like that. Just a phenomenal book. I just got it recently, took it on one of my trips, read it. Great read. Absolutely must read, But God by Jeremy Freeman.
1: Absolutely. That's a great one. All right. Mine is um, a fairly new book. It's been out a couple of months, but it's called uh, Church Communications. It's by Katie Allred. So Katie Printed is- the pod. That's right. And Katie is um, very respected in the church communications world. So um, Literally
0: started the group.
1: Right, right. Uh, so she's uh, an, really an expert in church communication and marketing. And so I just got this book. I'm actually going go to through, go through it with some of my team. So really excited about that and wanted to share that here.
0: All right. That's all right. You're a church communications person now.
1: That's correct.
0: I forget that sometimes. So, all right. That's going to do it for our podcast this week. Thanks for joining us each and every week here on the show. Amy, I'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.